Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. I want to say good morning again and welcome to each and every one of you, whether you're joining us here in Flandreau or whether you're watching online on our iCampus or at one of our other locations. We're getting into week five of our uh, backstage series. And if this is like the first time you've caught this or, or if you've forgotten, let me just start off with a quick little reminder of the metaphor. Okay, here's kind of the big idea behind this backstage series. Here's the idea. Our lives are made up essentially of two components, right? We have a front stage part of our life. It's the public part that everybody sees. And, and because of that, usually we put most of our time, attention, and focus into what everybody sees. It kind of makes sense. But the truth is, we all have a private life as well. It's what we're calling the backstage. It's what's kind of behind the curtains where things are a little darker. Things are usually a little messier. Often we don't let too many people from the audience back here to see what's going on. And again, part of that's normal. But what we're ultimately talking about is how to have a healthy soul. Because there are what we're calling backstage issues that are back here. If we don't deal with this stuff, if all we do is put on a show for the front stage and it's not flowing out of a healthy soul, ultimately what's happening on the front stage will come crashing down and we will be exposed for the pretenders that we've been. Now, today we're going to talk about an extremely important topic and I want to start with a question and you can participate. Here's the question. What do we call someone who does a good job of pretending on the front stage and putting on a show for everyone to see, but who they are on the front stage isn't really who they are in real life, in the backstage, in their private moments? What do we call that? Hypocrite. I, yes, hypocrite. I heard it from multiple places. A hypocrite. Is that a compliment if anyone ever calls you a hypocrite? No, let's be really clear. They're not complimenting you if you get called a hypocrite. It's an interesting word, hypocrite. It comes from a Greek word that back in the day referred to actors. Like in ancient Greece, when actors were doing a play and they're acting, playing a part on the stage, they would have these big masks that they would hide behind. And hypocrite referred to that actor behind the mask. And they, they kind of held up these big masks because then they could tell the audience what character they were pretending to be in the play, this was before green screens and computer, you know, animas, what do they call it, animation, all that cool stuff. So they, they just put on a mask. Today, when we call someone a hypocrite, what we're basically saying is you're hiding behind a mask. The real person is not who you're presenting for the rest of the world to see. And today I want to talk about a subject where I challenge God's people to take off the mask. That's what we're calling today's sermon, take off the mask. Here's another question for you. What's the opposite of hypocrisy? If we had to think up a word of somebody that is not a hypocrite, of somebody that is the same person behind the scenes as they are out on the front of the stage, what word comes to mind that would describe that? That's a good word. What else? Honesty. We'll talk about that. What else? Boom. Integrity. That's the word I was looking for. So we're going to define integrity because that's what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about the backstage issue of integrity. And what we're going to find is if integrity is lacking back here, ultimately this is all coming crashing down. 
on the front stage. Let me give you a definition of integrity if you're following along on your notes. So here it is. Here's just a generic definition of integrity. Integrity is the quality of honest and strong moral character. This next part is really important. In both public and private settings. How often do we hear stories in the news of people who pretended to have character that was honest and strong moral character and then some headline breaks some news story breaks and what we find out is you weren't a person of integrity you actually behind the scenes in your private life were not who you led us to believe you were on the front stage it happens all the time in politics in the church and i would contend for every high level story that we see with celebrities or with politicians there are Countless untold stories of people who we don't know, regular, ordinary, everyday people like you and me, who were pretending. And we didn't demonstrate this lifestyle of integrity. Integrity is also an interesting word. It comes from an old Latin word. It's where we also get the word integer, if you, you math geeks weird people who like numbers um it an integer is a whole number so the word integrity has this this idea that it is not divided it's whole often like we'll get called on the fire department to go to a a structure where a car has careened off the road and hit a house or hit a building and they call us to check the what the integrity of the building What are we looking for? We're looking for no cracks, no major flaws that are going to cause this thing to come falling down. See, a lack of integrity does that. A lack of integrity is a crack in our foundation. It's a division. It's a duplicity where we're not the same person on the front stage that we're pretending to be when we get behind closed doors, when we think we're all alone and no one's watching the real self comes out and it's not the same person we present to the rest of the world it's hypocrisy when we do that integrity is the complete opposite real quick if you want on your notes i'm just going to list several components of integrity again like last week we talked about pride and, and i gave you some like front stage manifestations of pride like what are some what does pride look like i'm going to do the same thing with integrity I'm just going to give you a few things you can jot down on your notes. We could probably come up with more, but these three are like core elements of integrity. And somebody already mentioned one. The first one, if you want to write it down, it's not on the screen, but you should put it on your notes, is just this idea of honesty. you You can't walk in integrity if you live in constant dishonesty. When we embrace integrity, we tell the truth when we're on the front stage, and we tell the truth when we're in the backstage. We're not covering stuff up back here with lies on the front stage. We don't have to constantly think, what story did I tell my wife? What story did I tell my boss? What did I tell my friend? What excuse did I give them? Because there's nothing to hide. Like, I'm honest. I'm being truthful when I speak. I was, as I was preparing for this, I read a disturbing study online. I don't remember the statistics, but it just talks about how dishonesty is becoming just a normal part of our culture where in just regular everyday conversation, we lie to one another. And we can't help it. We just, we just deceive and lie to one another. We say things that aren't true. Honesty is a core element of integrity. If I'm embracing integrity, then honesty will be a part of my life. Here's another one. You can write this word down. This is such an old-fashioned Bible word. I want to throw out the word righteousness. Righteousness. We don't even talk that way, except that turtle on Finding Nemo. The righteous. Like, we don't use the word righteous that often. 
Righteous is a Bible word that literally means right living. It means embracing strong morality, like doing the right thing. I want you to think about this for just a moment. What does that imply, by the way? If we talk about living in righteousness, that that implies that there actually is a right way to live, right? And can you see how that's a problem in our culture? Because in our world today, we would love to believe that there is no wrong. The only wrong that our culture embraces is when you tell me that I'm doing something wrong. That's against the rules. Everything else is fair game, and you can't tell me that what I'm doing is not right because there are no moral absolutes. How narrow-minded, how bigoted of you to actually impose some external structure of morality that's outside of myself and tell me I have to listen to that and submit to that. Like, that's so narrow-minded of you. You see, the problem with that is God has declared to be that external structure beyond ourself who has declared truth. And he's given us moral absolutes to follow. Not if we feel like it, he's commanded it. And righteousness is when we align ourselves with God's truth and we make right choices, right living decisions. It's righteousness. You can't walk in integrity if you live an unrighteous life. And by the way, Christians, those of us who know Christ, this just popped into my head. Like Sometimes when preachers start talking about righteousness, Christians are quick to kind of throw out the legalism card and go, oh, you can't do that. Like We're all under grace. Jesus died on the cross to forgive me of all my sin. Yes, that's true. I am forgiven of everything. And yet, New Testament, we are commanded to be holy because God is holy. Like We don't get a pass to just live unrighteous lives for the world to see. We're called to live pure, holy lives because God is holy. We'll never get perfection. We'll never attain to that. But that's the standard, nonetheless, by which we are graded. Moral purity, righteousness. Here's one more if you want to write this down. Trustworthiness. What does it mean to be trustworthy? It literally means I am worthy of your trust. I'm worthy of your trust. You can trust me, not just when you're watching me on the front stage. You can trust me that when I go backstage and you can't see me, that I'm still worthy of your trust back here. That's integrity. That I can be trusted whether you see me or not. I don't need you looking over my shoulder to follow the rules and then go do something in totally, entirely different when you're not watching. I, it, th- parents, we can get this, right? If you've raised kids, we, we understand this, especially as our kids get older and they're not toddlers anymore and it's not as easy to physically control them. And then they get like their own social life and they want to go out on their own and do their own thing and have friends outside of mom and dad. It's so normal. And I have this conversation with my kids on a regular basis that, look, as you get older, you're going to have more freedom. But it's the Spider-Man speech, right? With great freedom comes great responsibility. And if you get the freedom to be away from me, here's what's going to let that leash keep extending further and further. If I can trust you. The minute you break my trust, that leash is getting reeled back in and you're going to be here where I can see you because in order for me to let more and more line out and for you to have that freedom, I need to be able to trust that you're going to do the right thing whether dad and mom are watching or not. And it's the same in our relationship with God is that we need to be trustworthy, worthy of trust whether people are watching us or not. That's integrity. By the way, something that probably fits under that heading 
is just plain old-fashioned reliability. Meaning you actually will do what you committed to do. I heard this just the other day. I heard an employer talking about their frustration, and some of y'all are going to start nodding. As soon as I say teenagers and millennials, you're going to be tempted to pick on that crowd. But they were basically saying how hard it is in today's age with this up-and-coming generation, how frustrating it is with teenagers or college-age kids that they've employed that literally one hour before their shift is supposed to start, they just get some casual text message that something's come up, I can't be there. And they hold their commitment to their word very loosely. But hey, gang, before y'all like gang up on the millennial teenager crowd, can I just say as a pastor, it ain't much better in the church. Oh, I'll sign up to help with that and complete no-show. Yep, I'll be on this team, uh, but I don't ever serve. Whatever happened to reliability where when I give you my word, I will follow through with that. See, it's an, it's an integrity issue. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And check it out. If we don't hold our commitments on the little things... Parents, this is why you ought to like drill down into this when our kids just randomly skip work or you know, skip practice that they said they were going to be there and be a part of that. If we let ourselves slip in the integrity of being committed to the small things, what makes us think we're going to have integrity on the big commitments? Like the day we stood before God and a bunch of friends and family and said, till death do we part, I will remain faithful to you and I will choose to love you. And we just let that commitment go. We treat... The covenant of marriage with about as much respect as a cell phone contract. Just, oh, I may be in it, I may be out. We treat our commitment to the family of God in the local church with about that level of commitment. It's an integrity thing. I committed to something and I'm really not that committed to it. I'll break my commitment. Trustworthiness, honesty, righteousness. This is what we're getting at when we talk about integrity. Okay, today I want to go to Luke chapter 12 and share just three verses where Jesus issues a warning about living a life that's duplicitous. That's a a fancy word for meaning I'm one way back here and I'm a different way out there. Jesus is going to offer a very powerful warning to those of us who embrace the mask of hypocrisy. Check it out. Verse 1 of Luke chapter 12. Here's the context. Jesus is speaking to a large group of people, and then he's going to turn to his disciples and say something very powerful. It says, meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, big crowd that Jesus is speaking to, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, now listen to what he says to his disciples, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is what, church? Which is what, church? There it is. I just didn't know if you guys were still awake. So good, we're all together. He issues this warning, be on your guard against the yeast of the... What is Jesus talking about yeast for? Is he about to put on a cooking, baking class? Like, what's this conversation about yeast? Quick little backstory to all of this. All throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, yeast is used as a metaphor for sin and unrighteousness and evil. As a matter of fact, if you study the Old Testament, like the Jewish Passover celebration, they always would eat their bread with no yeast. And and again, there was symbolism in that, like purity, like putting the sin out of our life. Because Jesus taught in other places, it just takes a little bit of yeast to work its way through the whole batch. If we just let a little bit of hypocrisy into our life and we lie to ourselves and say, well, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, I just have a few small things hiding back here and we let just a little bit of hypocrisy in. 
Jesus is saying it doesn't take long to just work through the whole batch, and before long, you're living a complete lie. You're living behind a mask. So he's, and by the way, who's he leveling this towards? He's leveling it toward the religious leaders. He's basically saying, don't be hypocrites. Those guys, they've got the nice big fancy robes and the collars and the seminary degrees. A lot of them are hypocrites. They claim this external form of godliness, but they don't even know who God is because the Son of God is right in front of them and they don't recognize me, right? So he goes on to say this. This is where it gets real. Verse 2, he says, There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or there's nothing hidden that will not be made known. Watch what Jesus says. What you have said in the dark, what you've said backstage will be heard in the daylight on the front stage. What you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. Do you catch the warning that Jesus is saying? Jesus is basically saying this, look, if you want to live behind the mask, if you want to embrace this life of hypocrisy, then know this. The day is coming that the stuff you thought you were hiding back here, it's going to be exposed. It's coming out. You can't live this way for very long where you're hiding behind the scenes, hiding behind the mask, and keep getting away with it. Because check it out, ultimately there's a God in heaven who knows. There's a God in heaven who sees, and you're not fooling him with any of this. And oftentimes, oftentimes, we're not fooling people as well as we think we are either. We're hiding behind the mask, and truly most people see through it as well. And Jesus said, listen, it's coming out, it'll be exposed. You can't live in hypocrisy for very long without it getting exposed. Here's what I want to do in our time together this morning. I want to talk about why does this matter? Like, if you haven't caught this yet, why is this conversation about integrity so important? And here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to look at several verses in God's Word and let God's Word say exactly what it's saying, okay? So we'll follow it where it goes. The first one is this. If you're following along and want to write down on your notes, here's why this matters. Number one, God is honored... God is more honored by my right living than worship from an impure heart. How how are you saying that, John? Watch, Proverbs 21.3. This is God's word. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. So let's, let's think about what God's word is saying there. It's saying we can come to church on a Sunday morning and we can sing songs and put our hands in the air and worship God and I can even get out not just the $5 bill, I can get out the checkbook and actually give to the Lord. And what God is saying is if you've got this duplicitous stuff going on in your life, I'm way more honored by your decisions to obey me and walk in integrity than I am by that false worship that's coming from an impure place. Like all that surface... You're doing maybe the right things for the wrong reasons, and it's coming out of a heart that is not submitted to me. I would rather you live obediently to me and walk in righteousness and integrity than pretend to worship me in church where other people can see you. That's basically what that's saying. Here's another one. Integrity gives me a clear path to follow even in uncertain times. You ever feel like we live in some uncertain times right now? Like there's just a lot of crazy chaos and confusion in the world? There is. I don't know. There's probably been times that have been worse in human history, I'm sure. But still, like we can look out in our landscape and go, man, there's some uncertain days. But, But watch this. When we embrace integrity, we can walk with certainty. 
in uncertain times. Here's what God's word says. Proverbs 21.3, or Proverbs 11.3 rather says, the integrity of the upright, what does it do for them? It guides them. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Like when you do the right thing always, no matter what, it's the right thing to do. That is your guiding northern star. You know what's the right thing to do and you do it. You don't, there, there's a phrase for this in our culture today. It's called situational ethics. It's this idea that right and wrong is determined by the circumstances happening around us. So what might be wrong on Tuesday isn't necessarily wrong on Thursday. It all depends. And, and God's word says that leads to destruction. That leads you in, that puts you in a place where you're constantly trying to remember, who did I lie to about what? What story am I spinning? Who does this person think I am? What happens if those two people get together and compare notes? Integrity has me walking with certainty down a path because it's the right thing to do. Whether you like it or not, whether it's popular or not, God's pleased with the steps I'm taking because I'm embracing integrity. Here's another one. Living with integrity brings me safety and security. Proverbs 10.9 says people with integrity walk, what? They walk safely. People with integrity walk safely. But those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. Sounds an, awful light, lot, sounds an awful lot like what Jesus just said. We just heard Jesus say, if you've got all this stuff hiding in the dark, it's going to get exposed. It's only a matter of time. You can fool yourself. You can lie to your wife. You can lie to your husband. You can lie to your kids. You can lie to your whoever. It's coming out. It'll be exposed. You can't hide it forever. And this Proverbs is saying basically the same thing. If I want to live in those crooked paths, it's going to be exposed. But if I live with integrity, I'll walk in safety. There's security in living a life that's, that's lived out in integrity. Why? Because there's nothing to hide. It's like, it's normal to not let all of you into my backstage. I have a few people that have access to my backstage. But the truth is integrity says it really doesn't matter who comes back here i mean there's stuff i'd feel vulnerable if you saw this but there's nothing to hide you're not going to find some hidden corruption in my life can i give you another example and this just popped into my mind as i was preparing this this week integrity says this i can leave my phone out in front of my spouse in front of my kids without any fear because there's nothing hiding on my phone I can go to bed and leave this with my husband or wife and they can scroll all through it. You can look at my Facebook. Here's my passwords. Here's my text messages, my emails. You can have it all. There's nothing hidden in my phone. And and by the way, like if, if you're married to someone who constantly protects this device, that ought to be like a huge red flag on the, on the dash of your marriage relationship. Like there's a problem. There's an integrity issue. There's someone that doesn't feel safe leaving what's really going on in their life unattended and unprotected because there's something to hide there. And see, when I walk in integrity, there's, there's nothing to hide. It's, it's safety. It's security. It's peace. Here's another one. This one's important. Want to know why integrity is important? Because I set an example for others to follow for how to live a blessed life. Now watch this. Parents lean into this because this really addresses parents, I believe. But we can expand the principles beyond parenting. It says, the godly walk with what? Integrity. Notice that connection. Godly people embrace integrity. 
To live with integrity is to, to live in a godly way. What happens when godly people embrace integrity? It says, blessed are their children who follow them. Did you catch that? If I want my children to be blessed, the way to bless my kids is not with the newest, latest, greatest iPhone. I'm not mad if your kids have an iPhone, but if you think that's what makes their life better because they don't have the financial struggles and hardships that you had growing up, you're missing it. That is not the blessing that your kids will receive. What will bless your children is when they watch mom and dad live a life of integrity and you model that for them and then they follow in that example and they find out, you know what? God blesses a life that embraces integrity. That's how you bless your kids. You give a spiritual heritage where they see not just words from mom and dad who pull up to church and kick the kid out for Sunday school. That's important for you. I got stuff I need to go do. No, they see mom and dad leading the way to embrace God's word and to embrace God's house and to embrace God's family. They see it modeled and they pass it on. And then the kids go, well, I guess if it worked for mom and dad, I guess I should probably embrace that life myself. You want to bless your kids, parents? It isn't the next iPhone. It's embracing integrity and walking in it. One more. This one's good. This one is probably the most important. If I had to put them on a list of ranking, when I live with integrity, my life points others to Jesus. When I live with integrity, my life points others to Jesus. I've got a, a passage I want to share that comes out of one of the greatest sermons Jesus ever preached, one of his most famous sermons, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. You think your pastor preaches long, go read that one and then you'll thank me, okay? Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. I'm just going to look at two verses. Verses 13 and 14, Jesus says this, I love this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Are you following what Jesus is saying here? Here's God's will for our lives as Christ followers. We have been put on this earth to be the salt of the earth. Salt has this stinging, purification, preservation power. Like, you might be tempted to look at our world around us and go, it's going to hell in a handbasket. That's true. That's why we're here. To be salt, to help preserve this thing long enough for the purposes of God to be accomplished. You look out into our world and you go, man, it's a dark place out there. There's so much sin and evil. That's why we're here. For those of you that have been praying that Jesus would hurry up and take you off this rock, you need to stop asking for that because you're here for a reason. You are the light of the world in this dark place to draw people to Christ, to point people to Christ. And here's the thing. When we live with integrity, that's what happens. Notice what Jesus said. He he said this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good what? Good deeds. Notice what he didn't say. Let your light shine before others so that when they see your angry rants on Facebook about political issues, they'll go, wow, whatever savior they have, I want some of that. 
Because they're some of the most peaceful, joy-filled people. I want to know them more. Their, their anger just draws me to them. Their, their snarkiness and their cynicism, cynicism, their cynicism just attracts me. That's not what he said. He said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When they see the two L's, I was always taught this way growing up, the, the two L's of our life and our lip. When those are in alignment, when the world sees that what we say with our mouth is actually how we live our life, in other words, integrity. When they see that, they see that, wow, this Christianity thing really is true. It really works for that person. And it draws them to Christ. But let me go to the opposite side and show you why this is so dangerous, Christians. I know this is cliche, but how many of you heard this? By the way, sometimes cliches are good for a reason. Like, they're said so much because they're kind of true. So I know this is kind of a cliche statement, but have you ever heard it said that you may be the only Bible someone ever reads? Have you ever heard that? Think about what that means. You may be the only representation of Christ that somebody ever sees. And see, here's the problem, Christian. When we let this backstage issue of our life go unchecked and we don't live in integrity, we march out on the front stage and we tell the world everything we believe and we're a Christian and we're the angry Christian, by the way, on Facebook, telling the world how wrong they are. And then when they see the hypocrisy in our life, you don't do relationships any better than us out here. You're just as greedy as the next guy at work. You love your stuff more than you love your God. When they see the hypocrisy, it does the exact opposite of drawing people to Jesus. They come to the conclusion that this Christianity stuff must not be true because it's pretty weak in that person's life. They're not a whole person. They don't have integrity. They have major cracks in their character. Who they present themselves to be on the front stage isn't really who they are in the backstage. How terrifying of a thought is that? That my life might be used in such a way to cause somebody to turn away from Jesus Christ. That's sobering. To think that someone could evaluate my life and go, man, if that's what being a Christian looks like, I want no part of it. You don't think we won't stand accountable before a holy God if we're living our lives that way. Don't think we can keep faking it and fooling others. I want to ask a couple questions here as we're getting ready to close in prayer. So heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. I'm just going to ask you to think about something without looking at the person sitting next to you. Because right now I'm talking to you, not them. Unless you're them, then I'm talking to you. Okay, does that make sense? Here's, here's a question. And Holy Spirit, right now in this moment, I pray that you would just powerfully speak to the hearts of your people in this place. You see everything. There's nothing hidden from your sight. I pray you just search our hearts right now. So my question is this. Am I walking in integrity in my life right now? Would you ask yourself that question and say, Holy Spirit, search my heart. Am I walking in integrity? Or are there things in my life that if they came out today, I would be embarrassed and ashamed because of the duplicity, because of the mask that would be exposed. Second question, is the Holy Spirit revealing any areas of hypocrisy that need to be confessed? Guys, I, I don't want to paint the picture of God that he's someone to be afraid of. 
because he is a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. But man, there ought to be enough fear of the Lord that causes us to come to him and say, Lord, I confess. You've shown me and I confess this hypocrisy in my life. And then finally, last question, what step of repentance or obedience is God asking me to take today? Is there something that God is saying, listen, you need to repent of that. You need to confess that and get that right with me and possibly with others. Or maybe it's a step of obedience that for you, you know God has been telling you, deal with this. Take this step. Obey me. For whatever reason, it's felt comfortable. It's felt un- uncomfortable. You're scared. It's, it, it's going to require something. It's going to cost something of you. For whatever reason, you've planted your feet in disobedience and said, I'm not going there. My prayer is in this moment that the Holy Spirit would just point out that issue of integrity, that backstage issue that ultimately is going to play itself out on the front stage of your life. And might the words of Jesus just speak to us today that what's done in the dark, what's, what we feel is hidden, is not going to stay there. So let's be men and women of integrity that ultimately point others to Christ. God in heaven, I thank you for this day that you've given to us. Lord, thank you for this very clear warning from Jesus that you loved us enough to tell us, hey, children... My precious sons and daughters, the things you think you're hiding in the closets of your life, behind the curtains where no one else can see it, I see it all. And you're not hiding it. You might be holding a mask up between you and the rest of the world, but the day is coming that that mask will be revealed. You will be shown for what's really going on. Lord, I pray that these words don't scare us in a negative way. I pray that these words fuel us and motivate us with repentance and confession that we would move to that place before you of submission to say god i recognize areas in my life where i've not been living with integrity and i confess it to you and and if need be to others if there's something that needs to come out and, and be confessed god i pray that you'd give us the moral courage to do what's right and to know that this is a safe place where it's okay to not be okay that this as we often say is a real church for real people Every single one of us have issues in our life. We have all stumbled and fallen and made so many mistakes, and there's not a single one of us that's more deserving of your grace and mercy and forgiveness than anyone else. So it's a safe place to say, yeah, me too. Me too. I'm not always what I appear to be. God, give us the courage to confess that and take whatever step of obedience is needed because I pray that as you evaluate the hearts of the men and women of the Rescue Church, that you would find men and women of integrity, that that live in honesty and trustworthiness and moral character, righteousness. God, please do a work in our hearts. We desperately need you now, Lord Jesus. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv.